And then in the same breath that you're crying in sorrow, to proclaim it as well with my soul. I want that kind of concrete gospel effect in my life, that we are sons and daughters of God. And that whatever season we're in, it is well. Because he is still on the throne, he is still good. Not our definition of good, but he defines good. The other part is that I love in this song is that my sin not in part, but in whole. I think I can, we don't like to, there was a quote that I love. We start life as astronauts dreaming for the stars and endless possibilities. But oftentimes we settle as archaeologists just thinking of the past. So many times we can look back and say, God, you can't use me. God, what about this and this and this? My sins not in part, but in whole have been nailed to the cross, and I bear them no longer because he has done the work. Amen, church? It's not based on my, it's not based on my performance. It's not based on my reputation. It's not based on my past, but it's based on what he did and what he accomplished on the cross. So we can sing and we can proclaim that whatever is going on, it is well. It is well because that work is accomplished. Amen. God, I pray that we would have that concrete assurance, God, that in the midst of anything, in the good and the bad, that it is well that you are with us. I love in your word that it says that you are near to the brokenhearted, that you bind up their wounds and you address them, God. You're near to them. So God, if we're in the hurting place, in the tough place right now, be near to us. Meet us there. If we're in the wandering times where we've lost our way, God, meet us there. God, if we're living in the shadow of condemnation from our past, God, I pray that that would be driven out because you have not given us a spirit of slavery, but as of adoption. That we, um, we've been justified and made right in your eyes. Not just a part of my sin has been covered, but all of my sin has been covered past, present, and future. Not so that I can live without restraint, but so I can live for you, God. I can live in grace. I can walk in it. The gospel is not just for the lost, but it is for the saved. It keeps us propelled to the stars. It helps us to live as astronauts, dreaming of the endless possibilities of, God, you can use me. God, if you, can, you, if you can make me whole, then you can use me, God. That you have a plan for me, you have a purpose for me. Ephesians 2.10 says that, you are, that we are your masterpieces, God. That you have created us for good works. So God, I pray that we walk with that um, expectancy, with that vision, with that promise, with that possibility, and that freedom. And it is well with our souls, God. I pray that we would not waver in our faith, and our, um, our reliance on you. But God, we can sing and we can proclaim with our voices and with our hearts and our lives. God, it is well with my soul. Thank you, Jesus. Be with us today. I pray that you would speak to us each individually and patiently. God, I thank you that you're patient. Continue to speak. Continue to knock at the door of our hearts. I pray that you would have all access of us, God. We thank you and we praise you. And in your name, We ask these things. Amen, amen, and amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, man, you look good in church. And you can turn to the other person that you you neglected for some reason, and you can say, you look good too.
Amen. It is well with my soul. Amen. I was this week looking over some of the history of our church and looking back, going back six years and just seeing the hand of God's blessing here. And you know, folks, that's a humbling thing to see what God has done. It's, it's a delight to be able to tell you that the church is sound. Our financial base is found, sound. But that doesn't just happen. That happens because God has placed it upon wonderful people to be faithful. And, and I am very thankful for that, and I'm humbled for that. And we want to live with the trust of that. Thank you, Jeff. I'm the only windmill you know that's run on water. <laughs> but I just want to thank you for your continued faithfulness to this church. Uh, it, it overwhelms me when we look at what God has done. I look at a crowd this morning, full house, last service, good crowd, um, Looking at this fall, knowing and anticipating that much more growth, uh, we, John Balcom and I met with the city this week and on the site plan for our new parking, and we should have that information back, and hopefully before too long, we will begin to see that all taken care of, and it's a, it's a phased event, but that's going to give us uh, an, an incredible amount of parking uh, especially when it's inclement and you're walking two and three blocks. That's not fun. And uh, I'm just thrilled. It's, it's wonderful. But I, I just thank God for you, for what you've done. And as we bring the Lord's tithes and our gifts, we do it humbly, but we do it with thanksgiving, with gratitude that God has been faithful to meet your needs and through you, the needs of this body. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers if they would come and we're going to... Ask the Lord's favor and blessing on these gifts. Lord, as we come here this morning, we're recognizing that you have provided the opportunities, the incomes, the financial basis for which we are able to do your work. And with that, we are very grateful. We're thankful for these gifts and for each person that has given in many times very sacrificially. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to give us as leaders stewardship, wisdom, and grace to be able to use these for your glory and for your kingdom. Bless now both gift and giver, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I want to welcome all of our guests this morning. If you're here with us, we want to thank you for joining us. You could be anywhere this morning, and you've chosen to be here. Of course, I think this is the best place on the coast. So, you know. But uh, we want to welcome all of you this morning, and if you would help us, there's a little card in the seat pocket ahead of you that simply says, welcome. If you'd fill that out, it'll help us to become better acquainted and maybe a way that we can communicate uh, your needs and be able to be there to minister with you as well. I have uh, a couple friends down here, a young couple that they were kids in our youth group uh, back, you know, when dirt was just practically new. And, uh, you know, we started just after the Civil War, so it was, but, but uh, Brian and Debbie Gehring are here with us, and uh, their son, and I can't remember which one of the twins, because they both look alike to me, but 
Which one? Jared. Jared, okay. And they are pastoring in Hayward, California. They're one of about 47 couples that are out in ministry that we've watched raise up over the years that are preaching the gospel. Amen? And uh, I, I thank God for these kids. Would you just stand and greet our people this morning? I, I, I do mean to embarrass you. And uh, amen. Very proud of them and uh, thankful for them. And uh, it's, it's great. I want to share with you something before we get started this morning. You know, I'm going to go on vacation. Somebody said that every preacher deserves a vacation. If he's good, he needs it. If he isn't, the church needs it. So we'll let you do the judging on that. But <clears throat> I'm doing something I've never done. We're going to take the month of August as a sabbatical month. And uh, my body tells me that I need that time. My mind is capable of running, but my body isn't able to keep up. <laughs> and it's doing fine. But we just, we're just going to take that time, refire and retool. Uh, don't you worry. We're coming back with more energy than we've got now. So when we get back in September, you better have your track shoes on. Because we're off to the races. And uh, it's just one of those times in life where we just feel like this is something we've, we've never done this before. So uh, we're going to figure it out. Who knows? I might like it enough. I'll do it again. You never know. <laughs> but you're, you're going to be in very capable hands. And uh, John and Jeff, incredible preachers. I just never have to worry when I'm gone. These guys do a great job. And I expect the church to grow while I'm gone. No pressure, Jeff. I just expect it to grow while I'm gone. And so if it does, we'll know that that's probably in spite of me. But we're looking forward to some time and appreciate your prayers and uh, be, being prayer with, with Jeff and John as they lead us during those times. Uh, well, you won't miss me too much because I'll be back to haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> Would you stand with me this morning? I want to honor the Lord as we read his word together. We have been in a series of studies. In fact, I finished the, the main body of the series uh, on, on the Beatitudes, and, uh, but the Lord began to speak a message to my heart that I think kind of finishes this whole series in a unique way, and I've titled it, Blessed to be a Blessing, and uh, how many of you know that we are blessed? In this nation, we are blessed. Our poor are more blessed than two-thirds of the rest of the world. We are blessed. We're a blessed people. And in, in thinking of that, the Lord began to speak to me, and uh, it's, it's a unique message, so you have to hold steady and listen this morning. How many of you think that would be a novel thing? But in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 48 says, but someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Father, help us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Open our ears this morning that we will hear your voice. 
that, Father, as we have been blessed with much, that we will know what to do with the blessings that you have granted to us. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I read a book a number of years ago by Mark Batterson, and in that book, he made a statement, and it has been one of those gripping statements that uh, truly has had an impact on my life. And it's a simple statement that says, what are you doing now that will have an impact 100 years from now? That's a pretty profound statement when you think about it. What are you doing now that's going to have an impact 100 years from now? Back in 2009, I made a decision about retirement. I figured after 42 years of pastoral ministry that I'd served my generation, it was time to step back. Felt that God had finished the course of where we were at that time. But you've got to remember what was going on about 2009. 2008, September of that year, was probably one of the most uh, dramatic impacts and, and, and contractions of an economy that I've ever seen in my life. I remember in September of that year when, we, when the crash began, just a month before that, we had signed contracts with all of our teachers. We had a, a wonderful school, and we had great teachers, and they were all under contract. We'd signed contracts in August, September, the crash hits. Between September and January, we had 125 students left the school. Because you've got to understand, a private school is run on really what's called discretionary funding. Families have monies that they have extra that they can put a child into a private school, and that's what they did. Well, when the, the economy contracted, they didn't have those monies. To lose that many students on a tuition-driven school was really a cataclysmic moment. We had to dig deep into the general fund of the church. We ended that year's financial report $160,000 upside down. I'd never had a budget like that. Uh, that's a tough one to swallow. I had thought in 2008 about retirement. But in 2009, there was no way I could retire. How could you do that? It was a traumatic moment for the church, and I couldn't do that. I just could not do that. And we prayed, and God was so good to us. And through that year, we saw a, a major turnaround so that at the end of that next year, we had a $320,000 $320, turnaround from the year prior. And with that, I felt, okay, Lord, it's time. It's time to step back. And we did. The end of 2010, we retired. We moved back to Oregon and uh, gave me time to reflect and pray. And probably it was kind of a sabbatical, I guess you would call it in a way. Uh, I don't think I preached one time that year. And you know what? My preacher's itch was so well scratched, I didn't really desire to preach. It was just really nice sitting in the church praying for the pastor. Uh, I, I kind of enjoyed that, kind of like you. You just let me do all the work. No. But 
but it was it was just an interesting time and and during that period of time the lord began to speak into my heart about some of these principles that i i i want to share with you isn't it interesting that we we can spend 40 50 years honing our craft and gaining the insight and the expertise of what we do and at the height of our experience and our our abilities we decide we're done I don't see that biblically, but we do that, and we do it in a variety of ways. I, I, I look at this concept of, of reaching our, our communities and reaching our cities, and so often we, as we've gathered here this morning, we can, I, can may, may I make a blanket statement? Crossroad is not a senior's church. Now, let me tell you why I say that. Because if we are really a dynamic organism as a body of Christ, it has to have birth as well as death. It has to have infancy as well as geriatrics. It has to have pediatrics. It has to have all of the dynamics of a living organism. And when I look at the, the, the structure of the body of Christ, it, it means that we have to reach that next generation. I look at some of the children we have in our church today and our young people. I, I'm so thrilled with our kids. I'm a champion of youth. I'm a champion of our children. I'm a champion of our, of our young people. I celebrate those kids because I, I'm excited about them. When they come, they, when, when they're ignited about Jesus, I'm telling you what, this generation is going to take a world by storm. But the thing that grabbed my attention was, what are we doing to invest in them? I read in the book of Deuteronomy where it tells us that we are to, we are to train up our children. We are to encourage them and we are to educate them. But are we? Or do we leave it to a select small group of people to do so? I, I am convinced that every one of us have abilities and talents and skills and experience that we can invest in that next generation. One of the things that, that's heavy on my heart coming back off this sabbatical is, is, is developing one of the strongest children's programs and ministries in this community. That, 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 I'll say amen all by myself, folks, and I'll say it real loud. We have to reach this next generation. I am absolutely stunned by how many in this generation that's coming up have absolutely no clue who Jesus is, has no clue of what the Bible is, has no clue. I mean, they couldn't tell you the book of Job or the book of Job. Well, some of us couldn't either, but the, but, but the point of what I'm trying to say is that, is that we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility, say that word with me, a responsibility to train that next generation. I look at, I look at Brian and Debbie, and they, they, they do my heart well because we've been able to invest in them and to pray for them and watch God do something great in their lives. I look, at, I look at Jeff, what an incredible young man, gifted, talented, 
we've been able to invest in him. And I'll tell you what, he, he's a winner. But that takes time and it takes purpose to do those kinds of things. Well, I'm looking at children. How do we invest in our children? How do we, how do we take care of them? How do, we, how do we nurture them and grow them? You see, to whom much is given, much is required. We've been blessed with so much. And we have been blessed not to absorb the blessing into our own life, but we've been blessed that we might become a blessing to other people. So here's what I'm asking you, and I, I, I could probably quit this message right after this statement, but you know me better than that, don't you? Wouldn't it be something if some of us could step into a children's program once every five, six, seven, eight weeks, teach a lesson, just be there to do crowd control? help with snacks and be there to, to just encourage and love and pray for those kids. Don't you think that would take some stress? How many of you think that if we developed that kind of a team, we could touch hundreds of kids in our community? Think with me, folks. This isn't a senior's church. It's the body of Christ. Please hear that. And if we come in here thinking that it's just for me and my, my chosen friends, you've missed the will of God. We have some exciting programs in this church. Harold, on a Thursday morning, to come into that fellowship hall and see 40, 50, 60 men in prayer and study. And I mean, it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it in all these years of ministry. I've never seen anything that profound. That's wonderful. But what if we had a program or a ministry or a study that would take young men that are working now, because most of those guys, they're old, like me, and they're retired, so they can come at 8 o'clock on a Thursday morning. What if we had a program that would take young men and women, that, young men that, 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 that they, they have to go to work, they have to be there at 8 o'clock, or they have to be there at 7 o'clock, and we created a Bible study or a, a meeting moment for them so they could be trained and encouraged, and don't you think that would be as good? Amen. Hello? Right. You see, it's, what do we do with the blessing? Do we simply consume it, or do we share it? If we're going to touch our city, and, and by the way, God has given us such favor in the city as a church. It's amazing. Maryland, with that backpack program, it's opened doors like you can't believe to our community. For those of you that are not aware of what that is, we, in the wintertime, during school, we have a program that we provide food, meals, food, ready-to-eat food. For last year, almost 100 children every weekend. And God has blessed that. He's blessed it abundantly. Our community has stood behind it. The school system is excited to hear that we're doing it again. It's given us opportunities to reach into our city because we're meeting a need in our community. Well, I want to go beyond that need. I want to, how do, how do we help their families out of homelessness and helplessness? And poverty, poverty. How do we how do we retool and reschool? There's answers to those questions, folks. Th these are not just problems without answers. 
We have to ask the answer and seek God for his wisdom. And I believe that with God's wisdom, we have an answer as the body of Christ. And we can impact our cities for the glory of God. But how do we do that? Batterson says, what am I doing now that's going to make a difference in 100 years? I don't want to just sit on my hands. I want to do something about it. One of the reasons that we're taking this time off is I want to come back so charged up that, man, I mean, we're ready to just, I want to kill snakes. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. If you love snakes, that's, that's your problem, and I'll pray for you. But, but, <laughs> but uh, to disciple, to teach, to train in an ongoing manner, to, to develop that, that's part of what we're coming back to develop. But as I was looking at that and thinking, okay, I want to win my community. I want to win the loss. How many of you know that God wants that too? I've had people say, well, you know, we don't want to get too big. Wait a second. What you're saying is that we want this amount and the rest can go to hell. If it's too large of a crowd, go to the second, first service. It's a little smaller. But when that service gets too large, what are we going to do? We'll go to a third service, and Jeff's going to be preaching and a lot more. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? You think I'm going to build another building? Uh, not on your life. Well, if we build anything, it'll be a family life center out here where we have a gymnasium, okay? We'll do that, but, but, but that's going to take, that, you, know, you know, there's good news and bad news. We have all the money we need to build that. That's the good news. The bad news is it's in your pockets, and I got to get it out. <laughs> so if you can help me figure that part out, we'll get that done, but... <laughs> Jesus, look out. He's after my money. <laughs> but if we're going to do these things, we have to do things according to God's principles and priorities. Now, I want to share with you something. You've heard my heart. We want to reach our city. We want to reach people. But I want you to hear my heart this morning because this is what the Lord has really laid on my heart about priorities doing it God's way. In the book of Genesis, chapter 12, in verse one, and I'm reading from a, a unique version this morning. I kind of like these different versions because they just kind of give you a little different flavor. But, but the principle is very, very clear. In fact, I think it clarifies it in some ways. Verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1. Then Adonai said to Abram, Get going out from your land and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. My Come on, turn the page here. My heart's desire is to make you a great nation, to bless you, to make your name great so that you may be a blessing. My desire is to bless those who bless you, but whoever curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's pretty powerful. The word in the Hebrew for cursed is the word a'ar. And it literally means to treat with contempt or dishonor. 
I do not want God to treat me with contempt or dishonor. I do not want God to treat this church with contempt or dishonor. I don't want God to treat my country with contempt or dishonor. And he's made it very clear. The pattern is very simple. Bless my people. Bless my people. Who do you think God's people are? They're the Jewish people of our world. I was reading out of Psalms 122, verse 6. It's a familiar passage. We've all read it. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Okay, Lord, I'm going to pray for that. There is a theology that is absolutely distorted that is called, uh, it's 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 a theology that, that, is called a replacement theology. And what it basically is, is that, is that in Christendom, we have replaced Israel with the church. God didn't. It's a dogma, not a theology. It's not a doctrine. It's a dogma. It's a way of thought process and thinking. Many times we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we end up praying for the church. That's what Jesus told us to pray. That's not what God said to pray for. He said, pray for Jerusalem. When I begin to pray for Jerusalem, you know what happens? I begin to pray for the Jewish people. I begin to pray for Israel. And you know what's been really amazing? The more I've done that, the greater burden that I have for that nation. The church doesn't replace the Jewish people. In all reality, we are grafted in to the seed of Abraham. We're grafted in to the family of God. We don't take the place of God, and he doesn't throw them away in, in favor of us. We, we live in a very unique moment in, in, in history. We live in a time that theologically is known as a parenthesis of time. We live in the times of the Gentiles. We finished a study out of the book of Daniel some weeks back, and in that study, uh, I shared with them that when you go through the book of Daniel, you come to a statement, the 70th week of Daniel, 70 weeks of Daniel, and it speaks of, of the Jews. In fact, all prophecy really is centered around the Jewish people. If you remember, Daniel was taken captive uh, along with his compatriots, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, or as a friend of mine says, yo, shack, my shack, and a bungalow. But, but uh, they, they were taken captive, taken over to Babylon, and they were, for 70 years, they were held in captivity. And it's interesting that God said, for 70 years, you will be in captivity, and for 70 years they were, and then released, just like God said it would be. But during that period of time, God spoke to Daniel and said that there's going to come a time when Messiah, Hamashiach, Messiah will be revealed. And it's interesting that in rabbinical schools, the book of Daniel will not be taught. And the reason for it is because in the book of Daniel, it reveals when Messiah came, not will come. You see, the Jews have been looking for Messiah for 4,000 years. He's already come. 
But they don't know that because they've been deprived of the training and the teaching of that. But when you study the book of Daniel, you can go back to where, where God speaks to Daniel that there is going to be a decree written, and from the date of that decree, so many days forward, is when Messiah would be revealed. And it's interesting that it was, it was an edict. There were four different edicts about going from Babylon to Jerusalem. Three of them are in the book of Ezra, one in the book of Nehemiah, and the ones in Ezra speak about the rebuilding of the temple. But God didn't say that to Daniel. He says, Daniel, when the decree is given to go back and build the commerce structure and the walls of the city, not the temple, from that day, mark it forward. And when you go back and we have the historical record of when it was, we know exactly, biblically, archaeologically, and historically when that decree was written, and we can count forward using the Jewish calendar, and it will take you to April 6th, 33 A.D. Do you know what happened on April 6th, 33 A.D.? It was Palm Sunday, and it was when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem riding on the foal of a donkey. And they were, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. That is the declaration of Messiah, Hamashiach, the, the, the favored one, the anointed one of God. And up to that point in time, Jesus did not allow himself to be called the Messiah. He did not allow those moments. He would tell people when he would heal them, tell no one. He didn't want it to be revealed too soon. Why? Because April 6, 33 AD was written in the Word of God 440 years before it actually happened. Tell me God doesn't do things. But our Jewish friends, have never accepted that. You see, God's priority, and hear this, not exclusivity, God's priority has been Israel. Not exclusively Israel. But his priority. You see, we can get caught up into the thing that we want to go back into messianic ident identity, that we want to recapture all of the feasts, and we want to put on the, 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 the kippah and the prayer shawl, and we want to blow the shofar, and all of those things are wonderful. But friends, let me share with you something. God has called us into a new covenant. He ended the old covenant with the word curse. The last word in the last verse of the last chapter of the book of of the old covenant is the word curse. The first word, listen to this, the first word in the first sermon in the first book of the new covenant is blessed. God brought a new covenant when Jesus came into this world. He brings us a new covenant. Wow. It's a powerful covenant. It's not a covenant of works. It's not a covenant of law. It's a covenant of grace. It's a covenant of mercy. It's a wonderful thing. Listen to this. This is the priority. Paul would write to the church at Rome in Romans 1, 16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. But listen to the priority. For the Jew first and also the Greek. 
if we want to do things with God's blessing, we do things in God's order. If we want the favor of God, then we do things the way God wants the favor to be brought. Hello? God isn't wishy-washy, and he, he's not given to allowing us to do it our way. You know, the Ark of the Covenant had little rings on four corners. And the little detail there, four rings. And the ark had been taken by the Philistines, and David went and beat the Philistines up and got the ark back. And, and what did he do? He, he sends a new, a new cart and an, and an oxen to bring that back. That ark was never to be carried on a cart by oxen. It was to be carried on poles on the shoulders of the priests. But man did it their way, what seemed to be the most easy way to do it. I mean, let's face it, the thing weighed a little bit. It was solid gold and covering. It had the commandments inside. It had Aaron's rod and a little bit of man in there. It, it, was, it was not a light little piece. But when man did it his way, somebody died. Uzzah reached up to stabilize that ark because it was about to fall, and when he did, he died. And we say, well, what kind of a harsh God is that? Listen, God's in the details, folks. So when he says there's a priority, we need to listen to that priority. I want to reach my city, but if I reach my city and neglect to the Jewish people in our world, I'm out of order. I want the blessing of God, then I need to bless those that God has blessed. If I want the blessing of God on my life and I want to be blessed to the point that I can bless others, then I need to do things in the, in the will and the order that God has created it. Hello? And you're going, Pastor, where in heaven's name are you going with this message? I'm simply trying to tell you I want to reach my city, but I want to do it God's way. We support Jewish missionaries in Jerusalem. And there are ministries here. I know some of you support ministries to the Jews through, and God bless you and keep it up. I believe that that is a priority to the Jew first and then to the Jew, to the Greek or to the Gentile. That's the order. We, we, we need to think in those terms. It, it's interesting that, that when, when we look at the, 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 the very early church, they did it in that order. How many of you know that uh, the first disciples were, they weren't Scottish American. <laughs> Y'all got that? They were Jews. Every one of them were Jews. As a matter of fact, Jesus was born to a Jewish mother. And his stepfather was Jewish. And if you go back to Matthew and Luke's gospel and you go back to the lineage of both Mary and Joseph, his earthly stepfather, they both take you back through David. And guess who David was? He was a Jew. It's through his people that we have Messiah. It's his, through his people, the, the, the Jews, that we have salvation. Folks, you've got to catch that. I, I, I remember reading in church history, and we've had... Church history is not all cool. Back in the Middle Ages, there were people running around with crosses on their necks and, and, and on their tunics, going into Jewish settlements, raping women and destroying everybody there in the name of the cross because the Jews killed Jesus. I'm going to tell you something that if you haven't figured this out yet, something's wrong. 
The Jews did not kill Jesus. Your sin killed Jesus. My sins killed him. It wasn't the sins of a race. It was the sins of humanity. It was human life. It was, it was our proclivities. It was our weaknesses that sent him to the cross. And by the way, how do you kill God? The Bible says that he gave up the ghost. Nobody killed him. He gave up the ghost. He laid down his life. Y'all catch that? So getting this priority is extremely important, and it really hit me. And again, it comes back to the details. I love the way Peter, standing up to the, to the, to, at that time in Acts 3, says, You are the sons of the prophets. He's speaking to the Jews. He's saying that you are my people, and we are the product of our heritage. You are the sons of the prophet and of the covenant which God cut with your fathers, saying to Abraham, In Your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I read that earlier in Genesis. To you first, I love that, to you first. The priority is the same as Paul. To the Jew first, when we understand that we have a responsibility to pray for the Jewish people, to pray for Israel. I pray for our nation that somehow we will recognize the need for this nation to stand with and behind and for Israel. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you. We're here to bless our Jewish neighbors. We have a Jewish community in this city. Pastor, how do we win them? I'm not sure exactly all of it, but this one thing I do know. I do know this, that we have a responsibility to reach out to them. Jesus understood this principle. There was a woman in Mark chapter 7. She was a Syrophoenician woman. She was a Gentile. She came to Jesus with a child that was demon-possessed. She asked Jesus to cast out the demon, and Jesus said, wait a second. Let the little children be filled first. He's speaking of the Jews. I didn't come for for this. I want to deal with it. And she said, but wait a second. Even the little puppies eat the crumbs from their masters. And Jesus said, your daughter is released. He's, He's taking the priority. He's speaking it. He's living it. He wasn't trying to be mean. He was saying, this is the priority of my father that the children of Israel We reach them, and then we reach the world. There's a a theology that that said that that teaches that Paul, whether it was in Acts 13 in Salamis or in Perga or in Iconium, the first thing he did when he went into the city, into those cities, was he went to the synagogue. He went to the Jew first. Interestingly, when you get to Acts 18, uh, it, there's, there's an incorrect dogma that says that because the Jews did such horrible things to Paul that he said, forget it, I'm not going to, to you anymore. That's not what the word says. It says when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. 
But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And many people feel like God said, or that Paul was forsaking the Jews, that he never dealt with the Jews again, that he just left them and abandoned them and only went to the Gentiles. Read the next verse. The next verse says, And he departed from them and entered into the house of a certain man, Titius Justus, who was one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. And then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. You know what he did? He got ticked off, and he says, I'm, I'm going to go to the Gentiles as well. But he never stopped going to the Jew first. So what does that have to do with where we are right now? I don't know too many Jews, Pastor. Well, stick around. Listen. First of all, you may not, but Jesus told us to pray for them. He told us to pray for Jerusalem. And indirectly saying, I want you not only to pray for the city, but I want you to pay, pray for the nation and the people. And it's amazing that when I started doing that, how all of a sudden, Jewish people started coming across my path. But pastor, they don't believe in Jesus. No, but they believe in God. They believe in Yahweh God. They believe in the Old Testament. So what do we do with them? Let me tell you something. If you truly believe that Jesus is a Messiah, they're not going to get mad at you because you believe that. But they will get mad if you believe that and you don't tell them about it. Now think about this. You have a Jewish friend who comes to you and he says, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe that he, I think he's a prophet, but I don't believe he's Messiah. Do you believe the Old Testament? Do you believe the Word of God? Well, yes. I want you to take the Word of God, and I want you to begin to study the Word of God. I want you to take the teachings of Jesus and line it up with the prophecies about Messiah, and I want you to come to your own conclusion, and I'll guarantee you if they do that with a heart, they'll find Jesus. I want you to listen to a passage, and, and then I'm going to bring this to a close. It's... it's it's an interesting passage, and it's out of Romans chapter one, 11. And I'm going to read it out of two versions. It says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I'm also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 11, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. But he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because of the people of Israel turning down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who were dead. Wow. Now listen to it in the Message Bible. <laughs> Buckle up. The next question is, 
Are they down for the count? Speaking of the Jews. Are they out of this for good? And the answer is a clear-cut no. Ironically, when they walked out, they left the door open and outsiders walked in. And we are those outsiders. But the next thing you know, the Jews were starting to wonder if perhaps they had walked out on a good thing. Now, if their leaving triggered this worldwide coming of non-Jewish outsiders to God's kingdom, just imagine the effect of their coming back. What a homecoming. Verse 13 says, but I don't want to go on about them. It's you, the outsiders, that I'm concerned about with with now because my personal assignment is focused on the so-called outsiders. I make as much of this as I can when I am among my Israelite kin, the so-called insiders, hoping they'll realize what they are missing and want to get in on what God is doing. I want to get in on what God is doing. If their falling out initiated this worldwide coming together, their recovering is going to set off something even better. Mass homecoming. If the first thing the Jews did, even though it was wrong for them, turned out for your good, just think what's going to happen when they get it right. I want to reach my city, and I want to reach our kids. I want to reach our high school and our elementary school. I want to reach our young families. I want to reach these people for the glory of God. I want to make that young man's job absolutely impossible. He's got so many kids to have to deal with. How many of you would like to put that kind of pain on him? (laughs) And God's going to help him and raise up others to walk with him. I'm believing that God's going to do some great things. But folks, we do it in the priority that God has given us. We've heard the passage, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But what have we done about it? We need to start praying for Jerusalem. We need to start praying for Israel. We need to start praying for our Jewish friends. I can say this with a little bit of of bias. My mother's father is Jewish. So vicariously through my mother, in a Judaic sense, I am too. Shalom. (laughs) We do it God's way. Now here's the question. He's blessed us. He's blessed us with experience. He's blessed us with so much. I look at this young girl, and I'm so grateful that her mom and daddy love Jesus and are teaching her about the things of Jesus. And she's a beautiful girl. And she loves Jesus. But there's a whole lot of little girls just like her that don't know anything about Jesus. And they become our responsibility. So that when I talk about raising up teams of people, working with Jeff and working with our children's ministries, I'm talking about 
touching our world. And as we touch these children, we can touch their mamas and daddies. We can impact our city in a way way greater than what we've done before. But please hear my heart. I, I'm a stickler to the word. And when I see the word, the word teaches to me a priority and a plan. And that plan includes his blessing. I don't want to be blessed to be a blessing so that I can be blessed back. Please hear this. I want to bless because that's just cool to do. I just want to bless them. I want to see other young families raised up by the glory of God. I want to see, I want to see a whole tribe. I want, a, I want a whole, I mean, I want an army out there. And I wouldn't mind my fingerprint on them. But I want Jesus' fingerprint over it all. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to us this morning? What are you saying to each of us this morning? What is it you're challenging us with this morning? The gifts, the graces, the experience. Have we put it on the shelf? Or can we invest it? Maybe a little bit of time, maybe a week here. Our prayers, Lord, we want to, we want to put that priority right again. Our Jewish friends, Lord, they need you. And I'm asking you, Lord, for an incredible outpouring of your presence. Lord, as I've been reading and studying, there are more Jews coming to know Jesus today than ever in church history. And for that, I'm so grateful. I pray, Father, that you would touch them even more. Oh, God, that you would bless them, redeem them. Father, I, I'm reminded in the word that, and I've heard people say it, that because they're Jewish, they, they, they're going to be saved. But Jesus said to Nicodemus, a Jew, you must be born again. And Jesus said to his disciples, all 12 of them Jewish, no man comes to the Father but through the Son. So Father, help us to recognize that they need Jesus. And we need to somehow love them enough Pray for them. And that, Father, you will raise up those that can really speak into their life that will support that and encourage that. But not to the Jew only. But, Father, help us to reach those around us for the glory of God. How, how many of you would say this morning, Pastor, I'm willing to be willing to listen to what God would say about using the giftings that he's given to me. How many of you would say that? Lift your hand if that's you this morning. All over this church. Wonderful. And, and, and friends, please hear me. Sometimes, sometimes, Jeff, come here, would you? 
Sometimes what we need is just somebody to step up to say, I'll, I'll teach a lesson. Sometimes it's just, Pastor, you can count on me. I'll, I'll be there just to, to watch potty control. <laughs> Truthfully. I just want to use my gift. Suffer not the little children and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, God, help us to reach our kids. I think the greatest mistake that could ever happen to a church is that we put so much energies into us that have already lived it that we fail to touch the little ones that have yet to experience it. And so I want you to step behind him and others as we'll bring them along that we can affect this community. I'm honestly, can I be candid with you? Coming into this fall, you think I'm sitting kidding, I, I, I could see the day when we'd have to go to a third service. Boy, you are going to have to preach, kid. I'm serious. Why shouldn't we think in those terms? There's no time out for growth. There's no time out for winning the lost. And the older I get, the more I realize that I have that fewer days left. And I want every single one of them to count for the glory of God. And I don't want to be sitting on my pity party worrying about what I should have done or what I can't do or, or they didn't do this or they didn't. Re- I, you know what? Let's get over that kind of nonsense. God has blessed us to be a blessing. Let's use our gifts for the glory of God. And everybody can say amen. amen. How many of you are on target with this this morning? Amen. Now, Father, I ask that you would just encourage us all. Lord, somewhere, some way in this room, perhaps there's someone this morning that has yet to bow their heart to you. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you brought us here together and that we can declare you as our Lord and Savior. And I'm asking you, Lord, in Jesus' name, touch each one. And if that person is here this morning that maybe they've drifted or they've gotten away from you and they need to come back and they just sense your tug into their heart, oh God, hear them this morning. And perhaps there's others that we've played the game, but we've never really gotten into the game. We've never really yielded our life to you. We're sorry, Father. Forgive us. As we yield our life to you and ask that you would take complete control. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of all of those things. And Father, we're like Paul, not ashamed to declare to you that you are our Lord and our Savior and that we are a child of a living God. So Lord, I'm asking it in your glorious name this morning. I want you to all pray that simple prayer with me. Most of us know Jesus. It's not a salvation prayer for us is more of a cleansing prayer we walk in this sticky world and stuff clings to our soul and we need the cleansing of Jesus this morning but there are others this morning maybe you've never yielded your life to him as we make this prayer I want you to make it your own everybody praying with me father I am not ashamed declare my need of Jesus Christ Forgive me, cleanse me, 
help me. I declare to you, aloud and real, that you are my Savior. You are my God. I trust you. I confess you. I declare you as my Savior. Forgive me, Father, of all of my sins. In Jesus' name. And everybody can say, Amen. Now would you lift your hands for the blessing, Father. Bless them. Pour out your blessing upon each and every one in this room that, Father, they in turn will be a blessing to so many others. Keep your hand upon them and go before them. Grant them health and strength. Grant them peace and gladness. Help them in their leisure, in their labor, in their going out, their coming in. Overwhelm them with your blessings in all ways. May your face shine upon them. Go before them and grant them your peace in Jesus' name. And everybody can say amen. amen. Would you hug a neck that's huggable? If not, just tell them you love them anyway. Would you do that? God bless you. Have